have a, a quiet moment together for a few moments. Thank you to Batel for kindly uh, inviting me over this evening. Ella. <laughs> oh yes, Ella, yes. Right. Thank you to Ella as well for inviting me <laughs> <laughs> uh, over uh, this, ev- uh, this evening. I've been rather curious as to what our neighbours have been doing over here. So I thought I would just bring you initially a short uh, description of what we're up to on the other side uh, there. So it is a, a program uh, on the foundation and basis of generating agents of change. That's the priority. <laughs> so. We had four weeks uh, in Germany, that is two two-week sessions. We had two weeks uh, here in uh, September of last year, and so we're now underway with the final uh, two weeks. And the primary uh, intentions with regard to our programme is that it is a contribution to change with equal consideration to inner and outer change. So there is the work on ourselves with the variety of practices and explorations which are available through mindfulness and meditation and reflection and inquiry. There is also the communication and sharing of experiences. And there is also the uh, outer considerations as well. Who am I? What contribution am I making to this world? What do I need to develop as a human being to contribute directly to the welfare of people, of animals and the environment? To share our uh, our concern, to explore our relationship to love, uh, compassion, to uh, service, to what sacrifices we are willing to make to let go of, to be available to uh, others. So there are 55 of us in the uh, group uh, uh, over there and uh, so far so good (laughs) so and coming over to uh, this evening I thought rather than um, myself just uh, give a talk which I'm more than happy uh, to do of course um, I would rather like to hear perhaps three or four of your voices firstly and if there's anything that perhaps you might like me to speak on for uh, a little while or so, I'm happy to do that. Um, I do have uh, some uh, qualifications <laughs> to speak in so far as I've been coming uh, uh, here to uh, Israel for every year, once or twice, 
a year for the past uh, 26 years. So I can honestly say I'm very, very familiar with the general states of mind of many Israelis. I listen to a, quite a few thousand of you uh, over years, your, uh, your joys and your happinesses, your insights and your disasters. They've all been, I listen to them. So uh, if anyone um, has anything, that, or two or three of you, um, which you feel might be a useful topic and uh, theme, um, um, please uh, let me know and I'll try to make some uh, contribution. And of course, if it's extremely deep and profound, the question, I will be passing it over to Ella <laughs> and she will pass that tomorrow. <laughs> wicked, wicked. All right. Yes, anyone who has anything like? Yes, please, yes, sir. Yeah. Uh, refers to the contributions of your program uh, to people's lives. Mm -hmm. I work as a psychologist. Huh. Interested in the contribution that we are making over there and uh, the participant says that she works as a psychologist. And we use this uh, method of ther therapy which is new one. I don't know if yeah. you know that. It's called the ACT. Acceptance and commitment. Therapy. Yes, I've heard of it. Yes, friends have spoken to me of this. Yes. It's a I new kind of therapy um, called ACT, which is acceptance, commitment, commitment therapy. Yeah. therapy. Yeah. And I know, I know that method. Yes. And I'm wondering, like, how do, you, how do you come uh, to the same improvement, the quality of life of people? Not the same, maybe. But how do you? How do you achieve the improvements, the quality of life yeah. of people in in your program? Yeah, yeah. Would um, would the preference be that the question is how would how do I endeavour, so I say, to improve the quality of life of uh, people participating in my program? I think that's there. Let me just check with you. Um, would it be better? rather than listen to two or three questions and then respond generally, that we just take one question at a time and I'll comment. And do feel free with regard to that to just ask uh, uh, anything. And I do have the privilege of being able to say I don't know. I'll let you know. Um, just with regard to the important point uh, uh, there. In these um, teachings and explorations, uh, that we engage in there when I'm, of course, uh, here, in, here in the hall uh, here. This exploration and looking uh, at, at one's life, at times, uh, it is extremely important to accept that which I simply cannot change. The death of a loved one. Uh, uh, the loss of something which has broken. Uh, the ending of a relationship and the person is definitely not coming back. And it takes some clarity in our, in our being to really be clear what, is, what are the things in life which I need to accept and acknowledge there. But also I would say it's equally important for a human being to be able to have the clarity not to accept. And there are areas of one's life when, in which non-acceptance I think is uh, important. 
the uh, non-acceptance of greed, the non-acceptance of consumerism, the non-acceptance of violence, the non-acceptance of uh, destructiveness, and uh, much, much more. So our clarity in life is recognizing in the being, in the circumstances of human existence, those areas of acceptance and those areas of non-acceptance. The non-acceptance which arises for us doesn't have to be that it provokes a reaction. Non-acceptance doesn't mean aggression, (coughs) blame, fault-finding. It means I can look at this situation, I am a human being, I have the capacity to look at the situation, and perhaps myself or with others can work towards making change. And the program um, is a dialogue, it is a, a discourse, along with the silence and meditation, to find fresh, creative and imaginative ways to make changes. And that those initiatives to make changes is because in many circumstances there is suffering, you will know and others as a psychologist, that there is anguish, there are uh, uh, problems, we are aware of them, perhaps we have some skills which we can offer towards change and it's those skills which in a way says you have this problem and it can be changed. We have this society, it can be changed. We have this environment worth sustaining, it can be changed. We have our animals to protect, we can, in- we can change it from the current situation. And that clarity I regard as um, extremely important for the welfare of all of us and of course with future generations as well. Anyone, another question please? Uh, yes. It's a, a bit your answer to my question. Please, Continue yes. forward. I don't know if it's really a question, but I always have this nagging feeling mm-hmm. that uh, Westerns mm-hmm. like uh, Western people like really like all these meditation and the Eastern uh, philosophy because it can um, take like tr- uh, troubles in their life. And like they say, no, it's all in me, I need to be in inner peace, everything will be okay. And mm-hmm. not to like, uh, how do you say it, uh, <coughs> uh, uh, accept that there is a, a world that needs to be uh, fixed, needs to mm-hmm. be So I was really glad to hear you speak about mm-hmm. agent of change and this connection mm-hmm. of uh, inner peace and outer uh, change. Maybe I don't have a question. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I repeat, uh, uh, if I may, uh, just to summarise uh, the, the privilege of the, uh, the microphone here. <coughs> um, um, the voice of concern here is that in the Eastern uh, teachings <coughs> there can be uh, a lot of emphasis, and I fully agree, on inner work and inner change and using a variety of resources, meditation being uh, just one of those. And that genuinely can help in the change and the transformation of the human being. The problem is, and you touch upon it here, is that such a process can have a shadow to it. And the shadow to it can be 
an excessive amount of focus on the self, the self-love, the self-compassion, the self-interest, the, the self-change, self, 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 self. And the person can end up with a kind of feeling that I cannot do anything for anybody else until I've really, really changed myself or perfected myself or whatever it may, uh, may be. And that too can be a kind of, in my view, a spiritual ideology with so much emphasis here when the actuality of our day-to-day life is we do live as social beings. We do live in contact with others. We do have deep and important um, uh, capacity to offer and to share in a variety, uh, variety of ways. So I think it is important to take care that while giving care and attention to this instrument called heart and mind, feeling and thought, which is the, way, the only way we can look out at the world, we need a heart and mind and consciousness to do that. We need to look at this instrument for sure and work with it, but equally not at the expense of the other. And that getting that balance and sense of connection of the inner life with the life of uh, others uh, uh, is really important. Otherwise, it can lead to some neglect. Yes, please. Yes. Hi. Um, my name is Bar, and uh, yes. I'm a social worker. Yes. Uh, for the last uh, two uh, years, I stopped working as a social worker. Yes. Because I felt um, I have too much pain inside. Yes. And uh, I cannot. Uh, I, I I need to be uh, open, and I want to be willing to take care of people, and not. Yes. Mm-hmm. just to feel a burden, burden, burden and not to be co- really available for, for the other Yes. so now I, I remember this wh- while you were talking because I'm in a dilemma how to go back to be a social worker and still, yeah, yeah. And still um, uh, make sure that I'm available that I can both take care of myself bo- uh, both can Take the pain and be able also to. Yes. Oh, I'm hot. <laughs> 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 to, um, to be available and, and how how we can be available. W- we need to be aware of ourselves and be available for others yeah. all of the time. And I feel that um, there is not enough awareness or about how to. Um, take care of the take care of the um, caretakers. Did you hear the question at the, uh, at the back? It does happen, I'll reflect a little bit then, um, it does happen that there is um, actually a, a noble activity in the service of the other. Uh, social worker. My, my uh, uh, daughter uh, works, works in that field. She works for asylum seekers, she works for refugees, she works for um, those who are suffering domestic abuse and gangs and al- alcoholics and addicts and so forth. She works directly in, in that field. Uh, uh, there, and I really appreciate it. It is a very tough area to, wor- uh, to work in. 
and because there is so much outgoing service uh, for uh, others there has to be renewal if there isn't a, a renewal the the role and the identif- identity in this case of yourself the social worker the impressions the suffering <coughs> the anguish the hurts the disappointments and the pain of others as rather sensitive creatures as we are we will gradually absorb it and in that absorption it will leave a stamp called pain just as as you uh, uh, described and the outcome of that with all the stress that goes with it that a growing number of people doing fine and noble work in this world burn out it's tiredness, it's exhaustion there is too much pain for oneself and for the other an important factor a very important one is to be very clear (coughs) there is life outside of the identity of being a social worker when a role is and the function which is appropriate in life, the identity there, is being carried around. Carried around means, as it were, you take it home from work. Carry around means you are thinking about the role when you needn't think about the role. Carrying it around is when you're putting pressure on yourself to achieve a particular goal, to get something done, and there is fear of not succeeding. And these two forces, trying to get something finished, maybe by the end of the day or for the benefit of your uh, clients or uh, others, uh, wanting to get it done, and the fear of not getting it done, those two forces rub up together, they generate the pain. The excessive thinking about, as I mentioned, carrying it around with you after the day is over, and more. So it in the time that you are here, and it's a very um, appropriate time, to give some reflection while you are here of life outside the role. <clears throat> what makes you happy? What renewal can you take? <clears throat> How much time do you spend um, with the sky above and the earth below, in the trees, in the parks, amongst the, amongst the, amongst the flowers? <clears throat> Just finding various ways and means so that this important role isn't rejected, you're not going to walk out on it, it's important work, but the happiness and the joy and the vitality outside of the role will provide the energy. And finally, within the role, within the working day itself, there are plenty of quiet moments. There are moments when you're not in a meeting, you're not seeing somebody who is uh, suffering, and those quiet moments is just to come back to yourself as uh, uh, Ella and others are uh, speaking here, just remembering, just to breathe, just to be. And that also helps to break up, just to come back to the person, to the woman, to the being, um, without the identity. And if if you develop that, you'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) And if you don't, you won't. (laughs) Yes, sir. Uh, Yes, yes. Uh, maybe it's, uh, it's connected to, the, to this question. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm coming to retreats uh, for a few few years. Yes. And uh, and every every year I have uh, I have the same 
process it's like a try to say it in short okay. uh, I seem to forget very fast all the in, all the insights I uh, learn here mm-hmm. and it's like every time I'm here I remember all of my of all of the lives and how I should uh, everything starts uh, is just a second <laughs> I'm not speaking and speaking English all of a sudden is uh, <laughs> 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 so, so I tend to forget yes. too quickly right. uh, and I can't I don't I can't apply in real life all the insight I get here right. you know it's like here I'm 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 in the east and there I'm in the west you know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's for for a few years it's, right. it repeats Okay. Um, when you were in, uh, did you, did you hear Orash in the far corners? Yes. Yeah. Good. Nice. Um, uh, just as uh, you spoke, just at the uh, 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 end there, um, in the I spent about ten years in the east, literal east, apart from this one. <laughs> and during that time, I uh, during my years as a as a Buddhist monk, um, I, I kept diaries. And I rather, if I may say, rather had a box full of these diaries and uh, uh, shipped them back home to uh, uh, my mum. And it took rather a long time for them to be getting back home. So I thought between southern Thailand, uh, the rainforest in southern Thailand, <coughs> and uh, outside London, they, they, they might have got lost. And I mentioned it to two or three of my monk's friends, and they, and they said, you think you've lost all your insights? Who am I to judge? <laughs> what you can do in the practical here. Um, in, the, in the silence, in the meditations, there can be lots of insights and, th- and that which emerges. Some of that which emerges may come with a lot of potency, feeling, and uh, a kind of small or big kind of shock to the system. <laughs> wow, I haven't seen that before. It, it can send some for some a kind of jolt of uh, energy. And that may occur while listening, it may occur in one of your groups, it may occur spontaneously. And to acknowledge uh, the impact of that. But it's only one way, one small way, in which the insights uh, can come. And they may come almost unknown. It can come in the expression of a small thought. It may come in just listening to uh, a story from another. It may come from a, a recollection from the past. If you notice, and it's a comment, it's very common, the general view is, I forget. So, if there's quite a lot of activity which is taking place and lots of fresh insights come, then it will require from you to change, to bring the mindfulness to the remembrance. Mindfulness is not just about being in the present moment, it's just one aspect of it. 
and that mindfulness is to turn the attention and to be extremely clear what it is you need to remember and if necessary to write it down if necessary day by day quietly to repeat it if something is important to you and you're forget forgetting it it's a way of the forgetfulness it's a way of telling you you need to give it more attention there and if you just walk out of the uh, retreat here in a few days and you just have two or three doesn't have to be any more of things which you know of important it emerged to your consciousness through you over over the days and you walk out of here and say I know what these things these three are and I'm going to keep with them until I see and experience their application into daily life and if you get that uh, uh, right you'll use the power of remembering as one of the tools of mindfulness okay Good. yes please yes uh, I got a question from the he- a Hebrew speaker in the back yes all right <laughs> so, uh, I'd ask you to be a messenger so um, with all the importance of meditation and everything uh, mm. that we've spoken about, is that uh, <coughs> is that enough to create change in a society without a political tool in a, in a society that has a power and interest uh, mm. centers and resources? Mm. Not a chance. <laughs> Not a chance. <laughs> So they have to repeat the question. Um, oh yes. So the 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 uh, question is, if I get the picture right, that in a way, can we rely upon or trust in meditation to actually change society and the political system and so forth? And my response to that: not a chance. It, 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 it's uh, uh, an inflated and uh, exaggerated view of the place of meditation uh, 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 there. In many respects, meditation can genuinely offer uh, some, for us, some preparation. We certainly need all the clarity that we can find. We need the steadiness that we can find. And we need each other to see what are the tools in which we go, as an example, from weapons to words and communication and dialogue, in which which we go from consumerism to um, sustainability, in which we go from competition to cooperation, in which we go from patronising and bullying and rejecting people to listening to their needs and including them. And I've got the people in South Tel Aviv in mind here and and elsewhere. So... The whole exploration <coughs> and the changes in the human being we, is to find fresh ways of being, not only with ourselves, not only with our friends and family and, and loved ones, but to find out our voices in uh, uh, this world of s- the social world. Just to give two, no, give w- just one uh, example uh, 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 of this. 
if we take prisons, I, I'm not sure how it is in uh, uh, Israel, but it's probably parallel to uh, you know, England, where I come from. Um, it's fairly typical that a person who gets sent to uh, prison um, within a year or a year or two will be back into criminality. It, it, is, it, it is common. Within, within two years, the person will be committing crimes again. And apart from all of the anguish and pain and, and for all uh, that's involved, it's because the prison system <coughs> doesn't work. And the prison system doesn't work because there are the controllers who are called the prison officers and there are called the prisoners. And there is a huge gap between them. And the whole vision of what prison life is, to be, take one example, is to share, it is to talk together, it is to establish a cooperative in which the prison officers know about psychology, they know about social work, they know about listening, they know about support, they know about the importance of friendship and em empathy, and they really listen to the needs of the prisoners and give them support, so that the prisoners, bottom line is, they feel loved. And when a human being starts to feel loved, and feel accepted and included and not condemned and rubbish, something may come out of that human being in which they can find they have something to offer. And when people in a healthy system could go into the prison, people like ourselves, and, and go there and offer, and offer trainings and offer support and find ways for the prisoners themselves to communicate and create a community that will bring something deep and important out of the prison. Punishment and punishment and punishment is not the answer and the fruits and the consequences are having a, a significant impact all over society. And I'm just taking it as one example of, of what I mean by change and the importance of social change. Yes, please, yes, sorry, at the back. Okay. Um, so, completely different... Uh yeah, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I need to uh, think how to end. Yeah, take your time. I will, uh, maybe it will be uh, confusing, but yeah. I'll try my best. Um, I'm meditating or, I don't know, feeling yeah. uh, the... Um, internal silence of yes. the intelligence and life since I'm very young and mm. a kid Beautiful. and um, I was now experiencing it as well for yes. a few days and then when I uh, change into like open my eyes and um, uh, like uh, I don't know like when I had the mind Set of a human being, yeah. which I am, it began to um, be complicated for me and, yeah. and have dukkha, pain of yeah. being alive. Like, and it's not that it's not that something happened. I feel that you know what I'm saying, but I, I want to say yeah. that this is not that something bad happened to me, or it's just the thinking and the, the thinking of others and how I look or how I am. So this became suffering. Yeah. 
and I just want to ask about it because I, I think it's not only now in this retreat, I think it's also in my life, like I have some vision of complete uh, internal life and it's like from like Okay, I am a human being, and I have a human mind, and I have, like, uh... Did did, did you hear? Pardon? No. No. The good person said that since uh, she was young, she has an experience of uh, the silence, that sense of intelligence, of, of life, but she also finds, coming back to her humanness, being, <laughs> being a human being, with some of the issues and problems, and, and uh, it's not an easy one to uh, uh, work, work with. So, slightly same and a slightly different language uh, here for, for, uh, for the moment. The transcendent element which you uh, refer to as uh, the silence, or as uh, intelligence, or as life, or the kind of capital L uh, there, is precious, it's uh, important, and not to be neglected nor forgotten uh, in any way. And it's sweet to hear uh, from you that that uh, access uh, to that um, since the since the childhood, yeah. <coughs> and so in the kind of metaphorical language for the uh, the moment, it's like a sense of uh, the ocean, uh, the great ocean of life, the ocean of the cosmos, the, the sense of the vast, which uh, the silences and the stillnesses, and the sense of a kind of <coughs> quiet hub, um, hum of life, a kind of intelligence of life, you uh, might might say. And there, in the ocean of life, are the formations, the waves. You and I and others here, we are one of the waves in this great formation of life uh, there. And sometimes, the sense of the wave of oneself can feel to be a bit disconnected from the great ocean of life. And the dukkha, the unsatisfactoriness, or the suffering, or the stress, or anguish, uh, or, or whatever, does give a, some sense of this almost gap of the wave to the ocean, even though the wave and the ocean have the same nature, the water uh, 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 there. It, it isn't easy, of course. Can one with the power of the mindfulness, of the uh, awareness uh, of your presence, while experiencing some, whatever, anguish or pressure or <coughs> dukkha, you know, this Pali word uh, there, can one say, yes, this is happening, yes, this is being experienced, while knowing simultaneously the great silence. That there's not the power of the constructs in the being, emotional ones, mental ones, thought ones, or whatever, to really 
really give a real separation. And sometimes there, it can be um, some, of the, some of these formations which are going on inside of oneself. And not avoiding it, you're not, de- like now, you're not denying it, you're saying, this is what's going on, I'm a human being, this is what I'm experiencing, and that honesty is important and precious. And with the honesty and with the clarity, but it doesn't have the power to separate you from that which is vast. That's your practice. That's my practice. Hey? <laughs> That's your practice. Thank you. Yes. Um, I'll try to speak loud. Yes. Um, Sometimes I feel that um, meditation and uh, this kind of practice in Buddhism, in uh, many sorts of ways, is very quiet, silent, lonely. Not lonely, but it is with yourself. You don't talk or touch to uh, other people. Mm. And sometimes I think we need uh, something else, radically different, like screaming and running and touching and <laughs> yeah, yeah. And not even things that we do on a daily basis, even more extreme than that maybe, and using our bodies in different ways. Um, and I couldn't find a, a place for that in Buddhism. No. Um, I was wondering what your thoughts on that. Unfortunately, I have thoughts of uh, yeah. So just to to uh, reflect (laughs) the good good question to those of you in the far realms um, uh, over there. There is Buddhist practices which are essentially in the quiet and meditative uh, mode. And uh, the person uh, co- commented that sometimes one needs more than that, which might could be screaming, was it, and uh, more actively running and <coughs> touching, uh, and uh, so so uh, so forth uh, there. And I ask what my uh, response is uh, to that. The three areas that you touched upon, I generally think, are the. Um, uh, important here there is I fully agree a general climate and uh, culture of silences and stillnesses it is one of the practices what is precious about it uh, as well is that it can in the silence and stillnesses contribute to a greater intimacy, a much closer intimacy. Um, last year, as a small uh, example of this, um, one of the uh, participants in one of the retreats is, uh, uh, in Germany uh, is a scientist. And his work takes him to various uh, conferences uh, there. So he arrives at the uh, conferences and perhaps he's seen some of his fellow scientists elsewhere. And there's this rather formal handshake that takes place. But he says, when he goes on a retreat and he meets people that he's seen on the retreat, it's an incredible big bear hug and closeness and how are you and how's it, how's it been since your last retreat there? And he said, 
but in the previous retreat I didn't even talk to the person (laughs) so there are different ways of intimacy and, and closeness which can take place sometimes there is pressure there is a strong uh, pressure and if that strong pressure is moving through the body it might require the yell the shout, the screaming it's not that it is to be denied or excluded that does happen on retreats and some people need uh, that kind of outlet there are people as well who in the process uh, of the day and of the meditations may not realise just how much energy is coming out of the being which may have been quiet or tired or exhausted for quite a long period of time just in the daily life and sometimes it's inappropriate to try and sit with this energy it is, and I tell people regularly far more uh, uh, healthy sometimes to run, to jog, to dance and let the energy really flow uh, through rather than this pressure cooker situation of telling oneself one has to sit still and sit with it because that too much energy with control will bring about a lot of shaking of the body uh, an impact on the, on the nervous uh, uh, system the area of touch it's uh, there and as you point out uh, the third point that you mentioned with regard to the uh, uh, absence uh, uh, of touch myself and friends, fellow teachers and others have had, can imagine many many conversations uh, on this there are people who come uh, on, the, on the retreat and are and really grateful and appreciative for having some time to be in the silence without being spoken to except with the good communication of the <coughs> teacher without being touched unless they actually ask uh, for it and just to feel just their own being and there is a certain trust in the short days which is a week, is, uh, 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 a week here that that important appreciation of touch which you mentioned um, obviously fully there will bring out of us enough sensitivity that in our contact and engagement with other women and men and children there it will come from a very sensitive, caring and respectful place and it may be out of the absence of touch while recognising how just how important it really is and I feel really concerned, just to take a social point with, with regard to this that there is so much pressure on people, the school teachers and the psychologists and the social workers and many other fields who find it find themselves in a situation where there are rules now not to touch and there's some loss of or disconnect and there's fearfulness about touching in case it gets interpreted the wrong way uh, there. So I think we have to find ways of care and love and support and, and use the power of, of, uh, of touch and, and to find skillful ways in your wall and, and daily life and I, I like your t-shirt <laughs> by the way the t-shirt says I do not believe in the wall it's uh, actually not 
that that wall. Yeah. I, I, I don't believe in any walls, you know, you, whether it's with your neighbours, you know, or walls in the mind or wherever. They're all walls. No, we 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 want liberation. We don't want to live in a box. <laughs> yes, sir. Please. Um, so. I'm taking us back to the former subject. The uh, former one. Which one was that? Uh, <laughs> inner and outer. Oh yes, please. Uh, yes, it's all right to talk. And yeah, all right. Okay. Um, <coughs> uh, we are always talking about making a change in the world through love and by making people feel loved. But, uh, it's one one approach. Yes, go ahead. Yes. And, uh, and I fully agree. And on the other hand, you said, and I fully agree that uh, you cannot, uh, there are some things that you should not accept. Yes. Um, and my question is, how do you know what is the right moment for the end of love and to stop and to not accept? And yes. is there any objective criteria or is it just depends on how you train your consciousness to react wisely? Um, mm -hmm. um, it's. Did you get the question? <coughs> um, with regard to change, there, there is, as is mentioned here, an important emphasis on the power... Christopher, yes. they said they don't hear well, so maybe we'll make it a bit closer. A bit closer? A bit say to say it, but... Ice cream <laughs> close. The person uh, mentioned here of the importance of love, but remembering love has a wide variety uh, of meanings in the in the circum in the circumstances, and this the question about um, the non-acceptance uh, uh, aspect and how how would we know? In the there's the training of the inner life. This is an important aspect. The training of the inner life is what way as a human being, individually and collectively, can I make a shift in my life, say, from, from violence to non-violence? What are the ways in my life, and with others, can I make a shift in my life from greed to generosity, from fear to fearlessness, from entrapment to liberation uh, there? And if some of those principles are rather deep for us, mattering genuinely very, very deeply, there are great skills in the community around. Sometimes we need to sound out because we are not sure in ourselves of the right step. We listen to women and men who have experiences in areas where we don't who are applying principles of cooperation rather than conflict, who are applying principles of uh, empathy rather than rejection. Listen to their experience, see what we can apply, and uh, out of that the change can come. And it's a real dedication, it's a lifelong work, it is well worth sacrificing much, much else for us to grow collectively as human beings. And in that regard, I have to say, it's people like ourselves and many, many others at the grassroots level who will and are making these changes. I personally have no faith 
whatsoever in the politicians <laughs> I just don't have any faith in them um, I think the levels generally speaking of self-interest the addiction to power the addiction to uh, control is not serving us as citizens and I rather explore and share what healthy, creative and imaginative ways we can do to cooperate and change things and that, that's where my priority is yes please, yes um, one of the most fundamental yes. principles of, of Buddhism, of meditation is non-attachment yes how can you develop or work on an intimate loving relationship mm. Um, if yeah. you're not supposed to get the, 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 the question is one of the common principles which is referred to um, is this non-attachment how can we have intimacy if we're supposed to be non-attached <coughs> unfortunately and it's a very big unfortunately this one is that when the scholars, mostly um, British and German, in the 19th century, um, <coughs> and particularly with the, uh, uh, the British, during uh, this 200-year uh, period of the occupation, of the occupation of Mother India there, a number of the scholars went and translated and they translate. They were translating in Asia the four primary Buddhist languages, which is Pali, language of the Buddha, Sanskrit, sister language, Tibetan, and Chinese. These are the four primary languages. And when they came upon this word Upadana, uh, it was then translated, and it's become a principle, uh, as you pointed out, through the definition called non-attachment. And this is the word that was used from the 19th century, and like other words, it got stuck. It got stuck, and if I had a shekel every time I'd be like about non-attachment, I could have a private flight home or something. Anyway, there. And the actual meaning of the word is it is. Um, it has a fire metaphor. It is a human being who has ended the inflaming of a situation. That's what it means. And nirvana, which many of you have heard, is when the fire has gone out, which is liberation. So when you and I, wherever it might be, have exaggerated or inflamed the situation. This is upadana. It doesn't mean attachment. And human beings cannot connect with each other, nor experience each other, nor have intimacy if we're inflaming the situation, Dump, you know, dumping our stuff on the other or, or, or oneself. So this ending, putting the fire out there, this allows for the intimacy amongst including some of you who are psychologists uh, there you will use in a very healthy and beneficial way the word attachment 
quite different from uh, the Buddhists. And the use and application in contemporary psychology is, and I fully agree, it's natural in a healthy human being to feel attachment to one's kids and to feel close to uh, the children uh, uh, there. In Dharma language, we would, we would call it love. And we would call it intimacy and, uh, and, uh, and sharing. And watch this process uh, of the, the kids uh, growing up. And I, I, I must, I, before we finish, I have, I have to tell you the story because it made me laugh. My, my daughter, who, like myself, interestingly, um, I was brought up by a, a single mum uh, for quite a few years. And my daughter, with four kids, is a single mum, aged three fathers, aged from, um, <laughs> the kids are aged from three to um, uh, 17. Uh, uh, so my four grandkids, who I absolutely loved, loved a bit. And my daughter has never had any interest in us whiteys. <coughs> she, she's much more interested with um, uh, Caribbean men. She's, she thinks they're cool and we're just so uncool. So she's, uh, they like run that. tests. Eh? They run tests. And they run, yes. <laughs> Funny enough, it seems to they, they also. And the father of the middle two, so that one father, was, this is true, the um, European champion 12 years ago for the 100 metres. <laughs> so we ran in both directions, if you get the point. <laughs> anyway, this is, this is my friend. Two, two, two weeks ago, my 17-year-old grandson, my view, there's nothing in the DNA here from the past. He's incredibly handsome, he's intelligent, <laughs> he, he's gorgeous, he's mixed race. You know, he wanted to go with his mate to Amsterdam. <coughs> and <coughs> Sean and my daughter, she and I talk on the phone at home every day. She's my best friend. And she rang me and said, Daddy, Kai, that's his name. I wanted him to be called Kailash after the mountain. <laughs> and I said, no, no, to Buddhist dad. Yeah. <laughs> so it became Kai. And she rang me and said, Kai wants to go to Amsterdam with his best mate for a weekend and he'd never be out of the country alone before by himself. And then, and then what do you think? And I said, hey, you know, he's a bright boy, he's intelligent, he, he can look after himself, you know, you have to trust, you know. Besides, he's 18 next year, he doesn't even have to ask. So, um, so at four o'clock in the morning, on the Saturday morning, she drove the two young, these two teenagers down to Gatwick Airport, cheap flight, across, sorry, across half an hour to uh, Amsterdam. And then the next, no, next evening, Sunday night, went to pick them up. And then she said to Kai, she said, Kai, did you visit the red light district? <laughs> <laughs> Everybody know what the red light district is? Yeah. <laughs> and and he said, he said, I with you, I do not believe in the objectification of a woman's body. <laughs> and then Shauna his mum laughed and she said, I didn't ask that. <laughs> she said, I, I asked, did you visit the red light district? And he said, well, just for a quick look. 
I thought, I've got a healthy grandson there. <laughs> I would have been more concerned if he didn't go and have a quick look. <laughs> I've been many, I haven't been. I have to say, but I'm too old. I've been to Amsterdam many times. So I've never seen. All right. One more question, or two more, then we're finished for the day. Yes, please. What is important for a uh, meta practice? What good meta practice? Mm. Well, the question is, what's important for uh, meta uh, practice? Two um, aspects, and in my view, like much else, are inseparable. And what I mean by that, teachers and, uh, and others here, and um, myself, the teachers, we regularly offer and make available these meta practices, practices of friendship, that's the original meaning, of kindness and of love. So the word metta, though widely used in the tradition as loving-kindness, but it's only one aspect of what metta is. It also includes friendship, <coughs> there as we were touching upon a little bit, but it also includes love, and <coughs> love through service, love of, through creativity, uh, romantic love, shared love, family love. So love, kindness and friendship is what metta is about. The confirmation of, of kindness is not in the act of sitting on the meditation cushion and sending out loving kindness. I mean, it doesn't take any huge amount of intelligence to do it, does it? You say, oh, kindness to all beings. Then one gets out of the cushion and then it's already picking on some poor devil in the room or, or whatever. So the confirmation is, yes, by all means, explore the practices uh, there to feel the heart, to feel kindness and empathy and friendship and to feel that uh, experience, to listen in on the guided meditations, to really make it a practice. The confirmation that this practice is working is only found in the support, kindness, love and friendship you give to other human beings, animals and the environment. If it's really making that change outwardly, it's working. If it's not doing that, it's a waste of time. Clear? On. <laughs> yes, please, yes. I have a question about um, how, how to support fearless life mm. like life without fear yes <laughs> or, or, or that, that doesn't uh, lead that not led by fear yes the question is uh, how can we explore uh, a, a fearless uh, uh, life <coughs> just a, a short uh, story uh, uh, here um, some of you may have heard of the uh, uh, Indian philosopher who died, must be maybe 30 years uh, ago, Krishnamurti, mm -hmm. whose teachings are insightful and uh, cut to the bone, straight to the point. And I had the blessing of you know, interviewing him, it wasn't easy, and uh, lunch with him a few times, uh, etc. And there was one small incident which makes me smile on this point. He was giving in... Uh, Actually, in Holland, he was giving a public talk, and he was in a theatre, so it was two levels. And Krishnamurti was speaking about 
fearlessness, just as you were asking. And a person in the upper gallery, during the question time, shouted down to Krishnamurti, Sir, we need fear. It's fear which stops me from jumping off this balcony and hurting myself and hurting others. And Krishnamurti, in his best cultured Anglo-Indian voice of perfection, said, Sir! Sir, that's not fear! That's intelligence! And sometimes we've got to know what's fear and what's intelligence. There can be, to come back to the important point that you made, a considerable gap between here I am and I really fear to. I really fear to express myself. I really fear to make this change in my life. I really fear to step into the unknown. And when the self, the manifestation of the appearance of the I, there is a gap, and there is the view, I am afraid to. And if the gap is too big, because one's had the thought about whatever it is for long enough, then the humility is with this. I have to make small steps in order to bridge the gap. I might like to make a dramatic change in my life and get out of this job or get out of this painful marriage or go to India or whatever uh, it might be, but I can't, don't seem to be able to do it. Yet there is a strong voice for that change, but I feel afraid that it might all go wrong there. So it's really one of finding small steps which show there is a shift going on from fear to fearlessness there. Some of you, possibly, just now, with, with your lovely voices, some are quite easy to speak and share a question and op uh, open up. And some, before, may have felt some contraction. Oh, I'm, I'll be too nervous, I won't say it very well, I won't be uh, understood, or whatever it might be. And despite some fears or contractions in the stomach, the voice still got released. You spoke. And it's in small steps which are challenging but workable. And that gives the inner life uh, a confidence and a trust so that when one gets closer to what appears to be a bigger step there, one's got this background of the confidence to say, right, and one looks back and reflect back and say, wow, I've done this, and I've done this, and I've done this. I can do this too. And you can. We do not have to live in fear. Intelligence is much better. <laughs> <laughs> Enough for today? Okay. We can go on. <laughs> eh? We can go on. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for the uh, kind invitation. <laughs> Let's have a quiet minute. Thank you. So we have a quiet minute together, please. Thank you.
may all beings live mindful lives. May all beings live with insight. May all beings live with love and liberation. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.